Welcome to this week's episode of Bite Size Cybercrime, the podcast where I talk about cybercrimes, how they happen, who is affected, and what went wrong. Most of the time we think of hackers, we think of some guy in a hoodie in a dark room trying to transfer money into their wallet from banks or steal government secrets, or maybe even sabotage a business. And when we think of being hacked, we think of someone inside your computer looking in your files for personal information and passwords. Or maybe planting malware to encrypt your computer so they can charge you a ransom fee. We don't think of someone trying to hack your Samsung smart fridge or your fancy lights that you can turn off from your phone all the way at work. The Internet of Things describes everyday objects that have some computing power and smart capabilities, usually enabled through a connection to your phone. Things like security cameras that are hooked up to your phone so that you get a notification if someone's near your house, or so you can watch your cat while you're at work. Smart refrigerators that can maintain a list of everything in them that you can view at the store, virtual assistants like Alexa, Google Home, smart locks. Any device that can connect to the internet in these ways can make your life a whole lot easier. But they can also be hacked. I personally have mixed feelings on the internet of things. I love technology and I think smart security cameras are a great way to put your mind at ease or just see when a package was delivered. But some I think are unnecessary and some I straight up do not trust, like virtual assistants. One thing I don't like about IoT devices is they're often not very secure, and it can be difficult to give them a proper software update, and that means vulnerabilities are left unchecked in these devices. So, we have a bunch of insecure devices that are rarely updated and rarely scanned for malware sitting in people's homes. What could possibly go wrong? If you guessed a giant internet outage affecting some of the most major platforms and services, you are correct and I am impressed because I would not have guessed that. Today, we're talking about the distributed denial of service attack on DIN. Chloe, what's DIN? I'm glad you asked. DIN is a domain name service provider, or a DNS provider. DNS is a protocol your computer uses to translate IP addresses of websites you visit into names. So you can go to Spotify and listen to this podcast without typing 78.31.8.0. You can just type Spotify and DNS will find the IP address you're looking for and take you there. Computers understand IP addresses, and humans understand words. So, there's a little bit of translation that needs to happen for us to communicate, and DNS is what facilitates that communication and translation. So if a DNS provider like DIN goes down and you try to listen to this week's episode of Bite Size Cybercrime, your computer will have no idea what you're talking about if you try searching for it. DNS is essential to the way we use the internet, so when it fails, we can't really do much of anything. Alright, so how exactly does a smart microwave make DIN stop translating website names for your computer? With malware, of course. This one was called Mirai. Mirai infected vulnerable IoT devices by brute forcing through the device security, guessing some secret code to get in from a list of a thousand options until one finally works and allowing the person behind the malware to remotely control an army of zombie devices known as a botnet. All the devices on the botnet, even though they are not a traditional PC, can still make requests for websites. When a website gets more requests than it can handle, it is unable to take any more and can simply stop working because it's so overwhelmed. This is a distributed denial of service attack, using multiple devices to send multiple connection requests with the goal of knocking a server offline. Most of the time it is websites, but this time it was DIN servers. 
Thousands of baby monitors, security cameras, Alexas, routers, and printers all flooded DIN with requests that eventually caused it to be able to stop taking those requests from legitimate users. This attack was mostly felt in the United States, as well as mostly on the East Coast, but users in Europe also reported outages. Not every service was affected by the outage, but some notable ones that were include Amazon, Airbnb, the BBC, CNN, Comcast, The Elder Scrolls Online, which I love, by the way, I'm an Argonian warden with a healer build. Anyways, Etsy, GitHub, Grubhub, Netflix, The New York Times, PayPal, Pinterest, Slack, Spotify, Starbucks, Tumblr, Twitter, and Yelp. And again, that's not even all of them. This was an abridged list. So yes, not only was it websites, but it was apps and even games that you couldn't use because of some baby monitors and security cameras attacking a DNS server. This attack only took place on one day, which was October 21st, 2016. But the attack also happened in about three bursts for that day, and for each of the three bursts, everything I just listed plus more websites were down for over two hours at a time. It's not like this attack would only affect personal users of the internet as well. It would affect people just trying to do their jobs at work. Especially if you consider the fact that Slack is often used to communicate in the workplace. GitHub is used by developers pretty frequently. And Comcast is the website that you would use to even look up why this network problem is happening in the first place. So, who was responsible for this attack and what could we do to bring them to justice? Finding the person responsible was pretty difficult as just before the attack, the Mirai malware was made open source, which, which means the code for it became publicly available, which meant people could take the code and even make changes to it to make it more difficult to detect, target devices in different ways, or even target different devices in general. Now, theoretically, anyone could have used this malware for this attack. There were at least three hacktivist groups that claimed responsibility for this attack, including Spain Squad, Anonymous, and New World Hackers. However, nothing in the forensic evidence tied any of these groups to this attack, and some hacker groups will just claim large attacks just to flex and look impressive, so good chance it wasn't any of them. Theories bounced around between kids just messing around and angry gamers, but years later, in 2020, a perpetrator did plead guilty. Although due to them being a minor, their name has not been publicly available, and even if it was publicly available, I would not tell you. The fact that they were still a minor in 2020 means that four years previously, they were likely still very young. Hacking for curious teens and even children is not entirely out of the ordinary, especially simply to cause chaos. It's also clear that this kid was not working alone and did have other people helping them out. It wouldn't be pretty hard to pin down a specific motivation for this specific attack, but things like chaos and just showing off could be reasonable enough ways to explain it. Especially since the hackers behind it wouldn't have really gained anything monetarily speaking. The Internet of Things is a cool leap into the future and a great way to make your life more convenient. But it can also be used for attacks like these, and it is distinctly possible for different malware to harvest user data. Be cautious with your devices. This isn't entirely against the Internet of Things. Just make sure you research the vendor and only get devices you are completely confident in using. My name is Chloe Tonus, and I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Bite-Sized Cybercrime, as well as The Verge, Vice, Wired, Brian Krebs of Krebs on Security, and the Department of Justice for information regarding this cybercrime, malware, and potential perpetrators. Until next time, stay secure, and update your IoT devices if you can.